the kill, and Warner wins the set. Fade away by Moores. In play with Craig Maddock, made possible by the exclusive support of Lake Area Technical College. It is you. Welcome to another edition of In Play. I'm Craig Maddock. Our guest today committed to almost 50 years to public education. A teacher, a coach, an administrator. He had success as a coach, was even more revered, though, as the coach's coach, as the activities director for Aberdeen Central. Our guest today is Gene Brownell. Gene, welcome to In Play. Thank you. It's uh, my pleasure to be here. You know, 49 years in public education. You were 26 years as a teacher and a coach, and then 23 years as administrator. But to get things started, you you were a Henry Owl. You went to exactly. Henry High School just west of Watertown. That's exactly uh, uh, correct. <laughs> um, uh, my mom and dad uh, lived in that community, and that's... Uh, uh, where I uh, went to school, uh, didn't have kindergarten yet uh, because that was a long time ago. I started <laughs> school in the fall of 1952, um, and so uh, the, the first to 12th grades were there. Of course, in a small school, of course, definition of small can be different for everybody, but certainly Henry it was a small is was currently they're, they're with Florence now co-opt, but uh, Henry, a small school, I assume you probably did everything at Henry in high school. Exactly. That was kind of the expectation. You know, in the fall, we all played football, and in the winter, we all played basketball. And <laughs> In the spring, we all went out track and field, and then the uh, uh, summer, we uh, played baseball in between whatever jobs we happened to have. <laughs> hey, what was your first job in high school? Well, actually, my first job was working for a neighbor. He had a little construction company over there, and and I, uh, after my eighth grade year, I became one of the hay boys on the construction crew. <laughs> what? Hey, come over here. We got a job for you. <laughs> well, yeah, I was kind of like that. He lived across the street, said, "I need you to come and help me." So that's how that happened. When did you first think about you wanted to be a teacher? Well, I've always really liked the, the school environment. I like going to school uh, as a, an elementary student, a middle school student, and a high school student. And, and then as my high school career uh, wound down, I had to decide what I wanted to do. Uh, I, the, the thing that really attracted me was, was obviously a competition. I enjoyed competition. And so I had an opportunity to move on to uh, Northern State College at that time. Uh, to be in the cross-country and track program at Northern under Dr. Bill Jordan. So I, I took that opportunity. And when I got there, of course, uh, people began to ask me, well, what's your major going to be? I said, well, I'm, I, I want to coach. So I said, oh, you're going to be a teacher. I said, well, I guess that's what I'm going to be then. <laughs> I heard you were a pretty good distance runner at Henry. Well, uh, I don't know if I was pretty good or not, but I was I was better than most of them, and <laughs> and some of them could beat me, and some of them couldn't. And that's the same thing when you go to college. You know, you'll you'll beat some people, and some other people beat you. I did mention that Henry is uh, is merged with Florence now, um, and they're the Falcons as the combined uh, school. Was Florence the the hated cross country rival, or 
Or wasn't it that way back when you were at Henry? No, not really. We played in the Little Eight Conference, as it was called. It was Wallace and Garden City and Bradley and Raymond and, and Henry and Vianna and, and, and Florence. Oh, my. And we had conference rivalries, of course, but uh, if we could beat anybody, we were just happy. <laughs> Boy, you sure mentioned a lot of towns there that uh, they haven't had schools for a long, long time. Yeah, a very long time. And, and Henry and Florence, are, I think, are the, uh, the two survivors. The rest of that conference is all gone. You were in the Army. What was that like? Well, that was uh, quite an experience. I got out of college and I was drafted. And so uh, I, I went in uh, 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 to the military immediately after college and and uh, went to Fort Knox, Kentucky, and then I went to uh, uh, Fort Polk, Louisiana, and then I went to Fort Halberd, Baltimore, Maryland, and then I went overseas. And, of course, uh, I, I survived the whole thing. We used to always say they can kill us, but they can't eat us. And so uh, I survived it, made it back. And 17 days after I uh, returned uh, from overseas, I, I was uh, coaching in the fall, uh, started as an assistant football coach in the fall mm-hmm. and, and teaching school. So I didn't have a lot of uh, decomposition time, but, uh, but that was good. Uh, it uh, kept me out of trouble. Well, as a kid from Henry, South Dakota, you probably didn't travel much until you got into the Army, right? Well, not uh, too extensively, no. My mother was from the East Coast, and we used to go back there and stay with my grandmother when I was a kid. Uh, but but I, I did uh, travel extensively, obviously, in the Army, but always wasn't traveling where you wanted to go. You just went where you were told to go. That's That that was the time. My, my dad was a veteran. My grandfather was a veteran. My dad's brother was a veteran. My mother's two brothers were veterans. So wow. uh, that, that, was, that was the norm in our family. Thank you for your service, by the way. Well, thanks. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's very nice of you. You ran distance at Northern, too, right? So you kind of ran from high school, ran into uh, Northern, and ran distance there. Why, why did you choose the long distance when it came to track? Well, I couldn't run fast enough to run the shorter <laughs> one. <laughs> no one else could run as far as you did, right? <laughs> well, I could run farther. Uh, a lot of people could run faster, but I could run uh, I could run farther. So that's how, how that uh, kind of happened. I'm assuming a lot of those were on cinder tracks back then. Yes. I, I was never on an all-weather track, a rubberized track, until the SDIC conference uh, in uh, 1968 uh, in Rapid City. That was, that was the very first uh, all-weather track that I ever had the experience of running on. <laughs> so was, was Tulare your first school as a teacher right out of the Army? Yes, that's exactly where I started. I was how did that work? How did that work two. out? Well, it, it worked out pr- uh, pretty well. There, Tulare was a small community, so I knew what I was doing as far as what the people were like. And we had good kids and good parents, and I had a, a good people to work with. Uh, uh, Martha Kester was my first principal, and, and Martha Kester uh, put 51 years into public education. So so I learned a lot from Martha, and I learned a whole lot more from the kids and the other people that I worked with. <laughs> so it was a good experience. What What did you What did you teach? Well, I I'm a PE major and PE and social studies major. So there I did uh, elementary PE and I did high school social studies. And coach? Oh yeah, I uh, 
was the assistant football coach, assistant basketball coach, and I was a track coach. Harriet was uh, was next. Uh, how many years at Tulare before you went to Harriet? I went two years at Tulare, and then I went to Harriet uh, uh, for two years before I uh, uh, came back to Northern uh, at the GA. Hmm. And then was Kimball there before you got to Aberdeen? Oh, oh I'm sorry. Uh, I left Harriet. I went to Kimball for a year. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. I forgot about that. I went to Kimball for a year, and then I had an opportunity to come back to Northern to be a graduate assistant under the gentleman who I finished uh, my uh, collegiate career with, Al Solly. Uh, Al was still the uh, cross-country and track coach, so I, I came back uh, uh, during that period of time and uh, spent a year here and got my ma- uh, master's degree. You know, all those small schools, you know, what did you take out of teaching and coaching at Tulare and Harriet and Kimball before you got the job in that big city of Aberdeen? Well, more than more than anything else, I had to realize, just like a lot of young coaches and young teachers do, that it wasn't about me. I had to learn that my my role was to make the kids to be the very best that they could be. And just because I was there, that didn't mean they were going to get better standing next to me. I had to get out there and had to figure out how to how to do things the right way. And most most important of all, it helped me shape my my attitude about. Uh, uh, and my philosophy about how was what what I was going to be as a teacher and what I was going to be as a coach, you know those those first five years or so of teaching are a real challenge because you just you know it's like anything else you just have to learn, and if you you know when you're young and you're a little headstrong sometimes it takes you a little bit longer, but but I learned some things and I had good people that I was around so I was I was very fortunate. Who were some of those mentors as coaches those? first oh. five, six years in your profession? Oh, uh, Bill Adney was at, at uh, uh, Harriet. I don't know if you knew Bill Adney or not, but Bill Adney was a, a, a very long-time coach in football and in track and field. And, and most of the other people that, that I actually coached with at, at that time were uh, about my same uh, age. Ed, Ed Wickery uh, uh, was down in Kimball. And Ed was the principal and became the superintendent at the time. And Ed had an extensive background in coaching, and he helped me a lot, too. You know, with your love of track, were you kind of giddy when you became the cross-country and track coach at Aberdeen? Well, I I certainly was. uh, Having the opportunity to to coach at at a double-A level school uh, was really a blessing for me, and I'm very thankful. And I really, you know, I had – such good people to be around. Bob saw me in cross country and John Huth uh, uh, in uh, track and field and Mark Murphy was there uh, in track and field at the time. So I had a, a lot of really good people that I had an opportunity to work with. 1998, you finished runner-up at the state girls track and field championships. What was that team like for you that year? Well, that was a very good group. Uh, we'd, we'd won the conference championship, and, and we had a lot of really good good people. We had good jumpers. We had good throwers. We had some sprinters. We had some distance runners. It was a, it was a really good group. Uh, Rapid City Stevens beat us, uh, I think, 90 to 81. It was by nine points or whatever. But our kids that had, had a good meet did the best we could, and, and that was just – we were fine with that. Did you have to uh... – try to convince kids to come out for track track and field were you a motivator to get them to come out well you always do 
you know, at the end of the year, uh, uh, all the athletes have, have worked hard all year long. You know, and the athletes that we had at Aberdeen Central uh, or at any other schools that, that I taught about the taught. When it when it comes to the to the uh, springtime of the year, th- those kids are tired and they're worn out. But you know, we tried to convince them that that, that uh, track was such a building uh, program for all the other activities that they wanted to do, and we would teach them to compete in a different way than they were normally competing in basketball or volleyball or wrestling or whatever. It's always hard then, and I think it's still hard now. It's, is getting all the all the kids that you want on your team, and numbers, of course, are, are critical at any level, but particularly at the double A level, because you have to have a lot of kids to have. You know, you have uh, they have sixty starters now. You got twenty uh, uh, events, and you got three kids in each event at uh-huh. a conference <laughs> meet. So, sixty starters hard to come up with. <laughs> Eventually, uh, Gene, though the the job of athletic director came up at Aberdeen, and what were your thoughts about applying for that job and maybe knowing that you'd have to maybe give up being a coach to become athletic well, administrator? That was the hardest part because I had a great job. I was teaching advanced placement, social studies, or history uh, courses. I was coaching cross country with Sean Wheelock, and, and I was coaching track and field with some really good uh, uh, coaches. And so it was a difficult decision, but my wife and I sat down and, really came down to answering this question. Did, did I think I could make a difference? Did I think I could make it better than it was? We thought we could do that. And so we applied for the job and went through the interviews. There were six or seven of us that interviewed. And I was fortunate enough for them to uh, offer me the job. And away we went. It, it was undoubtedly one of the, the, the first year in particular was a, a great learning experience for me. But I was I was fortunate. I had Dusty Crock and Pierre to help me, and Mark Wendell Gaston here and to help me, and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Harvey Hamrick in in uh, Watertown to uh, to to really help me, and Steve Burseth, uh in Brookings, and Bob Winter in Yankton. So wow. I I wow. really I really had a, a you know I, I was I wasn't young, but I was but I was dumb about that end of the business. Well, you, but when you have th- those kinds of people, you know, at the end of the phone. And uh, I'm not very smart, but I am smart enough to, to to know when people know a lot more than I do. And those people were very helpful to me. That was a great list. That was a great list of, of, of athletic directors across the state that you mentioned. We so blessed to have, not only back then, but even today, we, we have some great administrators. But, you know, what skill set do you need to have to be a high school athletic administrator? Well, I think first you have to have a philosophy. You know, what is it you what is it you're going to do? You know, and and I I had learned from Jim Kretschmann at Northern. Jim was the first one really, uh, as I took uh, physical education classes uh, from him. He was the first one to introduce to me. Didn't use the the term, but he was the first one to really introduce to me uh, uh, the concept of servant leadership. You know, the idea that this is not about me, this is about we. The idea that my job is to make your job as successful as it possibly could be. You know, I think in one of the classes, uh, Jim said, you know, the, the thing you need to do is put, put your athletes uh, in a position to be successful. 
And of course, that's what I tried to do as a coach. And then when I became an, uh, an athletic director, that's what I tried to do with the coaches is to put our coaching staff in a position to be uh, successful and then ask them to put their kids in a position to, to be successful. So it's, it started right there with, with my approach to doing things that I had learned from other people, other great people like uh, Jim Cratchman. How much different is that skill set today when you compared it to when you started in the late 90s? Well, I don't think it's, that, it's any different. You know, you have to start out with a philosophy that reason, what are you there for? Who are you there for? You know, Don Meyer, Don Meyer and I became um, uh, good friends during his tenure here at Northern. And part of the reason for that is because we both had the same kind of approach to how we were going to operate, in his case, the basketball program, and in my case, uh, all, all of the programs. You know, and, and he was a very, very sound believer in uh, the concept of, of servant leadership. So we had a thousand different discussions about how things should go. And he was very beneficial for me when I first started out also. But, you know, the other things that you have to have, you have to have leadership skills. You know, you have to have communication skills. You have to be able to organize. You, you have to be able to motivate. You know, you have to be a, the person that sets the example. You know, and then you have to be able to hire great people. You know, the the first two people that, that I hired uh, uh, as as the athletic director at Aberdeen Central, one was Mike Flockus, and Mike uh, spent 20 years as our head football coach, took us to the Dome three times. And the second one was Dawn Seiler, and Dawn Seiler obviously speaks for herself. She's the winningest uh, female head coach in the history of South Dakota, and she is now the new athletic director at Aberdeen Central High School. <laughs> so, you know, those are those are the things that you need to be able to do. But you need to be able to start with, with what is my role here? You know, I always felt that I was uh, in charge and I was totally responsible for the athletic department. But I also didn't think that it was about me. It was about the coaching staff and it was about the kids. You mentioned Mike Flockus, your first coach's hire. He was a good football coach. But then Don Seiler, oh. Don Seiler was your second coach you hired. How did that interview go with Don? She's she's at what Macintosh at the time. Yeah, she was at Macintosh at the time and and uh, uh Jack Roby was the uh, girls coach at Aberdeen Central. He was going to go to be the boys coach. And so uh, we opened that position up and uh, I went over to the district service center and picked up uh, and uh, on a daily basis kind of picked up who had applied. And I, I saw that she had applied. And the first thing I, I knew, or I'd known of Dawn for a long time. And she'd been at Macintosh for 15 years. And Jim Calhoun and I were friends. And uh, Jim had coached at uh, uh, McLaughlin. And so I, and he was at White River at the time. And I called Jim and said, Jim, what do you know? Is this a serious application or is, is she out on a fishing expedition? <laughs> and he said, I don't know, but I'll find out. Oh. And then within a day, he called me back and said, she's serious. And so uh, I sat down uh, with her along with uh, Cindy Heifel, our principal at the time. And we interviewed her at uh, uh, the, the office at Central High School. And obviously, uh, um, she is without a doubt, one of, if not the most pragmatic person I have ever been associated with. And she's just grounded and she's down to earth. All of that came through at the interview and she's just, it, she just knocked us dead. 
uh, she went out to get in the car and we both knew we were going to offer her the job, but we talked a little bit. She got away from us. So we had to wait till she got home, <laughs> but, but we offered her the job and she took it. And I knew from that point on that girls basketball is going to be in great hands for as long as she could be with us. You made an effort to tell parents and I'm told you made it clear that they needed to be, that they, the parents, needed to be a supportive part of any team. Exactly. Well, you know, everybody at an event or at a game or in a program, everybody's got a role. You know, our coaches, their job is to, to coach. Our kids, their job uh, is uh, to play. You know, the official's job is to officiate, and the, the parent's job is to support their, their child and of course the, the children of the other families that are that are on our teams. So you know, parents are a great blessing to you. You know, sometimes parents get a bad knock because you know there's this story or that story about what people do, and, and those things happen. But my experience with with parents ha- has been, uh, for the most part, very positive. You know, we would have our our kickoff meetings at the beginning of each season, and we'd say there's. And I'd explain what everybody's role was. And then I would say, you can visit with our coaches about anything you want except these three things. You're not going to visit with them about uh, playing time. That's their decision. Uh, You're not going to visit with them about coaching strategy. That's my job. If they're not doing that, that's my job to do that. And you're not going to visit with them about other children on or other student athletes on the team. And I said, you you can visit with me about that all you like. You want to mm-hmm. sit down and come in the office, and it'll be totally private. None of the, the coaches will never know we had spoken, but you know that's how it was. And uh, uh, people learned over the years that they had a role to play, and if they got out of their lane, then we were going to probably have some conversations, and it would be done in a professional manner. You know, their child is uh, is their child. Uh, I loved my children when they came through athletics, and I don't always see their abilities the same way a coach did, but I had to trust the coach. <laughs> and and uh, I had good relationships with 99.9% of the parents. There's always parents that, uh, uh, or sometimes coaches too, that we don't always uh, uh, solve all our problems. How tough was it to tell a coach they maybe were not living up to their expectations? Well, it's not really that difficult because they already know. All the coaches that we had are professional educators, almost every one of them. Mm-hmm. As a result of that, they understood uh, teaching and learning. And they also understood that you can't fail at teaching and learning. You know, and my philosophy uh, about sports is pretty simple. You know, our, our athletic uh, endeavors are just an extension of our classroom. What we're trying to do is to have kids learn and grow and do so in a competitive environment, which we I think is very good for kids. But, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And when it's not working, it's, you know, it's not like we wait till the last day of the season and say, we're going to do something different next year. We would have had a, a multiple of conver- number of conversations mm-hmm. prior to that happening. But it is difficult because, uh, you, you know, you – you establish a relationship uh, with the coaches and, and you don't always want to be the one to tell them that uh, this isn't going to happen uh, this way in the future. But, you know, that's a process and, and you have to follow the process and trust it. 
Aberdeen Central has a great facility, the high school, the sports complex. But I remember, Gene, when the Aberdeen football field was on the, what, the northeast corner of town, and then uh, it was moved. What was that experience like, uh, moving the, the old football stadium? Well, it was a very interesting experience because when we moved to the new high school, our, our belief was we wanted to try to get everything we did on our campus. And the field at, at the old Fisher Field, the, the old field became a gridiron rather rapidly because Ron Colley played there, Ebony Central played there, and, and Northern played there. And it was a grass field. And so when, when we moved to the, to the new location and, and my conversations with our board members, and we had a great board. The board understood that we needed to do something and, and it, it was not going to be for free. So what what we did is we organized a, a group of people and and uh, we uh, we visited with our uh, colleagues at Northern and you know and we were actually telling them or asking them to give up their home field to come over to play in our field and this is why you we think you you ought to do that well you know that's not a simple thing to do <laughs> no. but they 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 realized that what we were going to do was the right thing and and they came with us. And really getting getting out of the old Swisher Field to the new Swisher Field was a step in the right direction for them. And, of course, eventually they realized that they had to have a quality field and it had to be on their campus. And they had some very smart uh, people uh, put together the, the right plan and they were able to go out and get the money uh, to do it. And, of course, the Dakota Bank Field is uh, just an absolutely beautiful, beautiful facility. I think it's worked out well, but, you know, what was it like cooperating with Northern and Presentation College up there, uh, Aberdeen and Roncalli, all of you working together, at least for a, a while, uh, sharing the same football facility or the same athletic complex? Well, it, it worked better than you think it, uh, it should. And at times, of course, uh, there were always issues that came up between people. But we had a, a contract uh, between Northern and ourselves that spelled out everybody's responsibility and spelled out everybody's access. Well, just because it's spelled out on the contract, that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to solve all the coaches' problems. <laughs> so very early on, uh, what uh, we decided to do was to have what we just called a scheduling meeting. And we got the uh, <clears throat> Northern's football coach and our football coach and, and Ron Colley's football coach and PC's football coach and, and because uh, it was fall, it was that would obviously be the the issue. And then later on, we had to include our our soccer coaches, and that a soccer came on board. And uh, we would have a meeting, uh, and uh, I would not attend the meeting, and neither would the uh, 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 AD at, at Northern. And the AD at Northern and myself, we would simply put in the, our our competitions. These are the days that we're going to going to compete between the hours of these times. Then we, then we put that in the coach's hands, and we said, hopefully uh, the, the two ADs or three ADs or four ADs uh, will not have to, to uh, solve any of these issues. <laughs> so we're going to rely upon you uh -huh. to solve them. And? and they did it. <laughs> and they did it. <laughs> and they did it. Now, yeah. not everybody got everything they wanted, but, sure. not, but not, not everybody did. They were able to sit down as coaches. They knew when they needed to be on the field for a particular reason. They could convince each other of that, and they did it. Now, 
um, they all 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 walked away friends, and everybody did what they had to do. Now <laughs> there were times, of course, when when you had to adjust. You know, something would come up. We would have a snowstorm. We would have this, and we had that. When we we uh, sometimes as ads, we had to step in and make those sure. those final decisions. Sure. Of course, now Northern has its new football complex, and. I know presentation uh, kind of has theirs, and so things have changed a little bit over the past few years, haven't they? Yes, they have. Ron Colley's going to go over and play football at, at uh, Dakota Banks Field this fall. So for, for Don, uh, that, that lessens the, the issues um, on Friday night, or if Ron Colley would want to come to practice uh, uh, at certain times mm-hmm. or something. So, so that's, that's kind of alleviated that. You know, Northern hasn't played there. They didn't play there. Uh, they didn't play there during the the uh, COVID year, and then of course the field opened up, and and so so right now it's it's a, a much better situation for everybody. Well, Aberdeen, I know, is very famous for hosting the Class B boys basketball tournament. What is it about the folks of Aberdeen opening their arms to the teams at the tournament? <laughs> Well, this is a community that is definitely a basketball community. I mean, we love all the other sports, but there's a reason why year after year, Northern leads the nation in Division Two in, in attendance. People like basketball in our community, but it's just not basketball. They like sports. You know, we're up in an area where if you were to look at, at our tourist attractions, the only tourist attraction that, that we have other uh, than out of Wiley Park uh, where we have a beautiful spot for people to camp and so forth out there. Basically, our tourist attraction is going to be sports, whether that's the fall, winter, spring, or uh, uh, in the summer. So people are used to you know, doing athletic things in our community. And, you know, we're fond of saying we're just a, we're just a big, small town. And what, what, what the message is there that if you come here, there's going to be hospitality. We're going to welcome you to our community. We know you're going to be here, and we're going to do everything we can to make your stay uh, as uh, good as it can possibly be. And, of course, the university is a great host. Uh, The community, I think, is a great host. Our school district has just been over backwards to make sure that we would have the personnel to operate the the, uh, tournament the way it needed to be done. So when you when you bring a state tournament to Aberdeen, it, it, it's it's a it's a community function, and uh, the community is very appreciative of that. I've been to Aberdeen for many many state tournament uh, games and matches, and I second what you just said. The people are beautiful and they're wonderful, and you guys uh, are gracious hosts. Which Class B tournaments stick out as your favorites? Oh, you mean uh, the ones that I was administrator of? Sure. Well, l- let me back up and tell you my first experience with uh, the, the Class B bat- state basketball tournament. It was the year 1959. My dad was a sports fan, and he took me to the 1959 state B boys basketball tournament here in South Dakota. And that was the biggest building I'd ever been in, in my life until that particular time. And, of course, I got to watch all those games. And it was the Cheyenne Agency. Uh, um, there was a uh, Keeler and the Condon. Uh, Con- Let's see. Freddie Knife was there. Keeler Condon, Chester Condon, the, the Bogotas. Uh, I think Gus Cold coached that group. But I, I was so fascinated. 
uh, and just absolutely just just overwhelmed and wowed at a state basketball tournament. And I've always had that same feeling about state basketball tournaments since since attending that particular time. And and as a result of that, you know, every tournament ha- has been really really exciting. And a lot of a lot of the, the uh, reason for that is because the small schools and class B schools, it's a community event. It's not just a small group of parents that live in the community. It's everybody that lives in the community. So, you know, I, I think we're uh, probably one of the most exciting ones recently that, that we watched with obviously when uh, Louis Krogman was up with White River with Eldon and uh, you know, he set the scoring record and then they were the state champions. And, and that was a very exciting time. But, but, but they're all exciting. I, I helped this last time little bit with crowd control and and I worked at the scoring table for a while and then and uh, <laughs> fully enjoyed myself. You mentioned Eldon Marshall. He is with White River and you and Eldon have become great friends over the years. Well, you should because White River boys have been now to 17 straight Class B tournaments in Aberdeen. It's like their their uh, their their winter home. But you recently received the Star Award um, from Eldon. What did that mean to you? Gene? Well, it, it, it meant the world uh, uh, to me. It's, it's hard for me to uh, explain how I feel about it because I'll get emotional uh, about it. But the the Star Quilt, of course, uh, for the Native American people, if they give you one, it, it, they're, it's their way of honoring you. You know, and, and, and it's not it's not a trivial thing, and it's given given to people when in the opinion of, of uh, the people who are, who are uh, presenting the award feel that you've done something for them that, that's meaningful to them. And it's also an example of the generosity of, of Native American people. And it, it totally shocked me. Eldon and uh, uh, his wife, Mark, and uh, uh, Perry Strain is uh, uh, Mark's mother. She's the principal at uh, White River. We've known each other for a long time. The, the oldest boy, Eldon, was one year old, uh, or not Eldon, or not Eldon, but Dylan. The oldest boy was one year old when, when they came to the first tournament, and now <laughs> he, and his, he and his brother are both starters. Yeah. Dylan and the Nicholas are both starters. So it, it, it meant a lot. And all the, probably the thing that will stick, <clears throat> stick in my heart and my mind the longest was after the after his initial victory that night, they won the first game that night, and in his interview after the game, uh, they asked asked him why I received that, and he said because he's family. Whoa, mm. that was uh, uh, obviously very uh, heart wrenching uh, for me, uh, and so I'm I, I'm I'm so appreciative appreciative. Of, of White River and of the Marshall family for having done this for me. You know, you've always said that, you know, you want the kids to be out there on the spotlight and uh, you've always stepped aside, been behind the spotlight and don't want to be a part of the spotlight, but you were with that. And also I've heard that the Swisher complex in Aberdeen is going to be renamed in your honor, Gene. Uh, well, that is, that is correct. Uh, that's a great uh, honor. That is a great honor, Gene. You should be very well, proud it, of that. It, it really is. Uh, you have to, especially for me, because I, 
I, the Swishy family and myself, we, you know, I grew up at Northern with those kids. Clark Jr. was there, and Joel was there, and Steve was there, and Clark Sr. was there. And they were my classmates and my friends. And when track and field came around, they were out, they were my teammates. And after that, I knew them, you know, as adults. Clark and I actually coached uh, track together in the spring of 1985 at Northern. Uh, I went over there because uh, Dwayne Nilslegel uh, had taken a sabbatical and they asked me if I would help, and I did. So I, I'm very close to and uh, uh, in, in my heart to that particular family. And of course, I just I just loved uh, uh, Clark Swisher. Clark Swisher was just a great man. And I'm you know I'm I'm uh, I, I don't have the words. Uh, to tell you uh, how significant uh, this is in my life uh, and how uh, grateful and blessed I am uh, for something of this nature. I didn't expect it. It wasn't wasn't something that, that uh, I had put down and, as a goal or anything of that nature. And I, uh, when they told me they were going to do that, in, in a word, I was flabbergasted. It's well-deserved, Gene, no doubt. Well-deserved. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Got a couple more for you, Gene. Um, When you go to a high school event today, are you going as a fan, a former coach, or a former administrator? Well, the first two. I stay out of the administrative business because we've got a really good AD and whoever else (laughs) is managing. I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. I love to go and sit in the stands and just watch. And what I'm usually doing is I'm watching officials officiate because that's, that's one of the things I did. I, I watched how the, I watch how the coaches coach. I watch how the officials work and I watch how the kids play. I, I don't pay too much uh, attention anymore to the, to the fans and so forth. I don't have to worry about uh, <laughs> anymore. So I don't do that, but, but, but it's, it's, it's really fun. You know, I don't know. I've seen all kinds of northern basketball games and central basketball games and and uh, football games and volleyball games. I've seen it all uh, uh, during this uh, my first year away from the job, and it's been all good. and And I've had a great time doing it. One note on uh, Don Seiler, of course, was the girls' basketball coach, six hundred twenty-seven wins, and took over as athletic director when you retired. When did you? Th- think Don could be the heir apparent to you? Oh, I think uh, uh, that, that may have first came into my mind when we sat down and interviewed her the very first time because she was just such a quality human being. She, you know, she knew what she wanted to do and why she wanted to do it. And and from our, our early discussions and early time together, I knew that she knew that it was about the kids and, and she was a leader. She was an organizer. Uh, she was a communicator. She could coach. She could do all those things. She she understood people and coaching. Did all those things. And as as the, my years uh, went by and Don's years went by, it became pretty evident to me that that uh, uh, she, she was a great candidate and and w- would be someone that I would feel would be just just fantastic for the job. Because you don't want you don't want someone to come in that's not better than you and she's going to be better than me. And I, I understood that and I'm comfortable with that. And, uh, 
and she's doing a great job and will continue to do so. Finally, there are a lot of young go get em coaches out there, no matter what sport it is. What's your advice to them as young coaches? Well, the, my first advice is, is um, try to coach with a head coach who, is, who knows what they're doing so that you can begin to understand what it is a head coach does. And then you can also use that, that good head coach as your mentor. And the, the other things you need, you need to do, you know, is, is God gave you two ears and one mouth. So you need to listen twice as much as you talk. <laughs> and, if you, and if you pay attention to, to what people do, not just our coaches, but, but what coaches that, that, that you get associated with, pay attention to what they do. In our conference uh, and in the AA level, there are so many competent individuals who are coaching teams in all the sports. So if you pay attention as a young assistant coach, you watch how they do things. And you're going to find some things that you don't agree with, and that's fine. Don't do those things. But you're going to find some things you are going to agree with and do those. And you're going to find, in, in looking at them, you're going to find out what it is got them to the position that they're in now. They didn't get here at the AA level because they're, uh, they weren't good at what they did. So find out what it was they do and then do that. And the other thing is, maybe the most important thing at all, is develop your philosophy based upon it's we, not me, and the kids come first. In Play with Craig Mavic, made possible by the exclusive support of Lake Area Technical College. It is you. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us gain new listeners. This has been In Play with me, Craig Maddock. This is a production of South Dakota Public Broadcasting.